the good fucking geeky computer hardware banter that we just had going on for like yeah. five minutes. Well, I don't know if anybody wants to hear us go on for like 10, 15 minutes at a time. Wait, about like... You don't want to hear about my Core i7? Yeah. 3.5 like... <laughs> gigahertz quad, quad core processor? It's not like any of us were like left out of the conversation. We're all like, yeah, we had to do upgrades <laughs> on all our machines. Like we're all nerds who have to start thinking about doing stuff to our PCs. So mm-hmm. yeah. that yeah. is, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No geek shame on this podcast because There'd be a lot of shame otherwise. We're all different shades of geek, or actually, we're all pretty similar shades of geek at this point. Very so white, like... very pale yeah. white shades. It's <laughs> true, true right now. I'm going to see yeah. a lot of different shades of geek next week, though. Oh, that's right. Dragon My life is horseshit. I'm so excited. Shut up. Okay, we can't talk about it because I'm going to get angry because <laughs> I can't go. I right, am everybody. really excited to see Tim's cosplay pop up on Kotaku on one of those cosplay roundups. It's going to be As am I, actually. As am I. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Dance Robot Dance. This is episode 161. I'm Mark. I'm obviously here with the usual crew of goofs. Paul's here in Korea. Hi. And Tim's here in Atlanta. What up, folks? So... A lot. Like, it's been a yeah. busy week. How's yeah. everybody doing? You guys doing all right? Uh, yeah. Report the cards. World's uh, literally on fire. You know, the usual. Yeah, I had to turn off my politics feed this week because the depression was setting in real hard. And I was like, oh, I, thought, yeah. I don't want to do it anymore. I can't do and it And the anymore. orange one has been more rambly and insane than usual. Trying to, you know, just trying to buy countries and shit. That's why I had to turn it off because I was just like, <laughs> if somebody just, can somebody just take his fucking phone away? Like, just take his fucking phone away. Yeah. Like, well, he started making decrees today and I was like, um, all right, I'm done. All right, yeah. I'm done for the day. Like, I was tapped out at 11 o'clock this morning. I was like, all right, yeah. out. Yeah, out. I hereby I command the yeah. trade war with China Jesus to ramp up. That's definitely definitely how that works. Yeah, that's 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 not how any of this works. We've all been saying that. That meme is more relevant now than it has been in forever. Um, Mm. The last two years. That's why I'm drinking during the episode for the first time in quite a while, folks. Well, (laughs) I have to host, so I can't have any fun. So there you go. (laughs) Anyway, let's get into the weekly news because that's going to be fun and uplifting. It's not going to be some as of fun enough. Some of it is super fun, though, actually. So uh, first piece of uplifting news, uh, I figure we should just talk about Spider-Man right off the top. So Sony buys Spider-Man developer Insomniac Games, which I'm not surprised by at all. I don't know if any of you guys were surprised by it, because that game did bank. Oh, wait, that's not the actual story that we want to talk about. This week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, there, so, there was a big, big week in Spider-Man. Yeah, it's a lot of Spider-Man news this week. So like the first thing I wrote in my notes here, I'm buying an Xbox next gen because fuck sony <laughs> even with that spider-man game i'll still switch to the other side so obviously the news has been crazy all week with spider-man being removed from the mcu due to a disagreement between marvel and sony disney and sony i guess at this point all kinds of rumors are floating around all over the place as of right now spider-man is no longer in the mcu mostly mostly betting that this is pr shit at this point like it just feels yeah like yeah. pr shit it kind of so. does we're yeah you know, we're i feel like we're all being caught up in the middle of this like basically well it's their own little trade war it's their own little negotiation and they've decided to make it public and the hopes i think sony kind of decided to make it public in the hopes that like people would sympathize with them but they definitely have not so. i feel like at first that first dump of like 
that they got up and walked away felt like Disney rumor milling. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. So I feel like Disney coming out and being like, yeah, Sony fucked us, and they walked away. So that's so that to put Sony back on their heels, mm-hmm. and then Sony tried to clap back, but the internet had already decided like just fuck off with this shit we want spider-man where he is yeah so you're getting even if you are legitimately being wronged here sony and disney's asking for too much nobody gives a shit yeah nobody fucking cares this is your cash cow right now yeah because you have nothing else they have james bond which is here and there like not super working all the time and they have ghostbusters in their arsenal which we'll see how that works out in 2020 so Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Sony Sony's suffering right now. Now, here's my tinfoil hat question for you boys: If they really decided to fight with them, do you not just see the Disney doing Disney things and starting to counter program against Spider-Man movies as a release? Suddenly, there's a Pixar movie the same weekend. Suddenly, Avengers Five comes out the week before. Oh yeah, just to start, just to slaughter their box office, so that they have no choice but to come back and be like, "Hey, we give, we give," because yeah. that's how Disney does things. This is how this is going to go. Yeah, I mean, they've got all the fucking card in this hand right now. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, excuse me. Uh, I believe Sony Pictures has the Venomverse. So, you know. <laughs> I swear to God, I see that. I still don't understand how that movie made as much fucking money as it did. Besides uh... China. Yeah, I've been seeing that thrown around as like an example of why Sony should be fine. And I'm like, yeah, but like, I know it made money, but it was terrible. Yeah. Like, objectively bad. And I love Spider-Verse as much as the next dude, but like that's an addendum or an extra little bit of yeah, spider yeah, love yeah. that we should be getting. Yeah. Real live action Spider-Man in the MCU and then Spider-Verse on the side. That's what I want now. Yeah. So. Whoo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I believe that Disney has all of the leverage here, especially in terms of public goodwill. Like, even though people have said, well, at least someone is standing up to Disney as a mega conglomerate. Like, it's still Sony. It's like, still it's Sony. Still, like, <laughs> and everyone yeah, exactly. wants our cinnamon roll Tom Holland to stay with all the MCU people and be part of the Avengers. We love Tom Holland. Everybody loves Tom Holland. And oh, like, his co-stars were, like, on Instagram this week just posting shit all over the place, too. Like, there was a thing from Jeremy Renner. Yeah. There was stuff from Mark Ruffalo getting posted yep. about it. I was like... I don't know if Robert Downey Jr. said anything because he was on stage like earlier today getting honored for being Iron Man for 10 years at D23, mm-hmm. which we'll talk yeah, about in a minute. He became a Disney legend, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Well, how could he not at this point? He They basically put a franchise on his back and he just carried it the whole That's way true. like to the finish line. Yeah. So Seemingly effortlessly. When... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no kidding. He just danced around while he was doing it. Yeah. Too, so. yeah. But yeah, it is weird to me that Sony is the fucking underdog in this situation. Like, And that's the yeah. thing is like, Disney has so much more goodwill as a company than Sony does. Like, over the years, Sony has fucked people so many times with all of their, like, proprietary hardware bullshit, like, exclusivity on shit and that sort of thing. And, like, mm-hmm. that's that's the reason why, like, Sony, like, is not considered, like, top tier of TVs anymore. Like, they're basically considered, hey, if you want to spend a thousand bucks extra, you can get a Sony TV, yeah. but it's going to be exactly the same as the fucking Samsung. Like, yeah. yeah. It's pretty bad considering, like, what they used to be and what they are now. And even, like, Paul and I on the gamer side a lot more, and, like, the hubris of the PlayStation division uh... in, like, in living memory, like, active last generation memory yeah. was just horrifically bad. I think the last Sony device that, that I owned was 
a mini disc player that I still have that required you to fucking change all your music into a proprietary format so you could load it onto the goddamn track three. Yeah, oh, is AAC or something like that. Yeah, so that you could fucking load it onto the mini disc player. So your music then took up like twice as much room as it would have otherwise. Yep. At a time when yeah. hard drive space was still at a premium. Yeah, those discs and, were like seventy nine minutes or something like yeah. that, but like th- in their proprietary audio format. Yeah. The thing was great. Like it, one day. the fucking thing was indestructible. Like you couldn't, the discs wouldn't skip at all, which was great. Like I got a ton of use out of that thing. It was such a pain loading music onto it. Yeah, I loved buying a PS Vita here in Korea because it was region free, and then having no support for it and having to buy. <laughs> $40 uh, extra SD cards for it that were proprietary because you couldn't use just the regular mm. SD card for it. That was the big takeaway from Vita when it came out was those fucking cards and they were like triple the price of standard SD cards. Of course. Yes, and they people were, were furious. Yeah. Um, it's why I never picked up a Vita. Like I bought a PSP eventually. Yeah. But I never picked up a Vita because I was like, I'm not, because you're buying the deck and then you still got to spend 150 bucks on like a 128 gig card or 32 gig card back then because yeah. it was crazy. It was a lovely system. Like, I, I yeah. loved the look and design of it, and it worked very well. I remember playing Final Fantasy X on it uh, in the, the HD remaster and Persona 4, and it was great. But they just gave up on supporting their portables. And, yeah, Sony has no goodwill with me at this point, even though I do like my PS4 quite a lot. See, that's the only thing that keeps me from being like, fuck Sony completely, is, like, my PS4 gets a lot of use, but, like, I do like my Xbox enough that I'm like, yeah, I've got a lot of games invested on the Sony side, but at the same time, like, it's not like Microsoft makes bad consoles. Mm -hmm. So, and plus this Game Pass thing, which we're going to talk about later, because it is part of my Geek of the Week, but, like, Game Pass makes a big difference because you basically have access to 200 games for like a small subscription fee a month on top of your Xbox Live, and it's crazy good. So we'll see what happens next gen. Also, fuck Sony because I want Spider-Man in my Marvel movies. So <laughs> yeah, long story short, just fuck Sony. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so the next little piece of news um, is kind of a fuck Marvel piece. I don't know if anybody saw this, but um, Art Spiegelman had written mm. a essay going into a collection of kind of old 50s and 60s Marvel books, or actually 40s and 50s Marvel books. Lots of the Nazi bashing stuff was in those books, like the Captain America stuff. And he wrote an anti-Trump piece, which they decided to not print. Let's be be honest here. Ike Perlmutter, fucking Trump donor extraordinaire, probably decided not to put it in. Or somebody who works for him that didn't want to have that coming up in a shareholder meeting or whatever, and seeing that. So yeah, there's definitely that kind of thing. Interestingly enough, though, the essay is readily available online now, and the amount of publicity that this this story got basically led to five times as many people (laughs) reading it as they would have if it had just left it in the collection. Because I might have seen that collection at some point from the library or something like that, but it's not like I was going to go out and buy it. So, um, good job, guys. Good Good job. Way to keep that under wraps. Yeah, way to keep that under wraps. (laughs) We're just going to quickly talk about streaming stuff because there was a big report about Apple getting ready to launch Apple TV and they spent $6 billion getting their studio kind of up and running, (sighs) beginning with this morning show show with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon, which looks okay, but like I've already seen the newsroom, so I don't know if I care because that's kind of what it felt like to me. I don't Um, know. I just, I can't bring myself to give a shit about Apple anymore, really, at all. No. I still like my phones, but other than that, that's about it these days. Very much like fucking treading water trying to stay relevant at this point, it feels like. We did see some Disney announcements in regards to like the rollout happening internationally. So the big markets that you would traditionally associate with like first worldly kind of 
we get the same stuff at the same time as the United States is getting Disney Plus at launch in November. So Canada, thank God, is included. Although nobody really knows how much the CRTC is going to mess with it and allow them to show new stuff, old stuff, like with existing deals, the way Crave has that kind of lock on HBO product yeah. and stuff. So yeah, which is good to know since I will soon need that rather than the US version. Well, I, I'm just looking at all these streaming, like how splintered all this stuff is. And we're not like, I don't know how we could talk about that in a nutshell, but it's like there's 15,000 streaming services mm-hmm. either available or going to be available soon. And I'm like, I only care about maybe five of them. And that's not including stuff that I sub to like Spotify for yeah. music, Marvel Unlimited for comics, PlayStation and Xbox, like the live subscriptions for online, that kind of stuff. So it's like, how much stuff am I supposed to pay for a month to be entertained? Yeah. Anyway, so a little-known Shira spinoff is getting a new series on Netflix <laughs> in the new year. I did see that. I like that headline. Yeah, it was a good headline. That's why I'm stealing it. So there you go. He-Man and Masters of the Universe are coming back on Netflix in the new year. It is being showrun by Kevin Smith. So Silent Bob will be showrunning Masters of the Universe. I was a little thrown by that selection at first i think it works i think i think he's got like that camp aesthetic that he can he can make that work because that's definitely a show that relies very heavily on camp and gimmicks and that kind of thing and kev's good working in that section of the universe and it can be played like glorified star wars which i mean we all know kev loves so there is that aspect of it as well so and it's being produced by the people who did castlevania right like that animation company is the one who's doing i think they're the ones who are doing the animation side of it uh fightbox or something like that yeah, I actually watched the presentation they did. So, like, the guy who does Fat Man Beyond with him, Mark Bernardin, who also wrote, like, for Castle Rock and Treadstone and stuff like that, mm-hmm. is on the show as well. While they were talking, one of the other writers was introduced, and he has he gave one of his credits as War for Cybertron, which isn't out yet, but he was writing War for Cybertron for Netflix, which I was like, okay, I like this idea of Kevin Smith He-Man a lot. But, like, I really want that fucking Transformer show, so don't talk about yeah. it in front of me ever again until it's ready to just <laughs> so, put it in front yeah. of me. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I don't know. I'm pretty excited for that. It sounds like it's going to be fun. I'm only disappointed in that there won't be a crossover with the new Shira because I really like the new Shira. But other than that, like, they, maybe they could in the future, like, figure something out. We don't know what the art style is going to be yet, but, like, from what I hear, they want it to kind of be like the, the box art brought to life. Yeah. Which I don't know how that's going to uh, match with the aesthetic, the super anime aesthetic of the current Shira, which has an almost Titans Go kind of feel to yeah. it. Yeah, maybe maybe just from what I've seen, Titans Go and Avatar: The Last Airbender style, yeah. definitely. So we'll have to see how they mix up. But I wouldn't. I mean, if they're both on Netflix, you know they're probably going to do something because those franchises are yeah. tied to the hip. Like that show came out of He Man. It did. So it came out in a crossover movie, which I have seen and. Don't. Don't <laughs> do we've it seen, we've, I've seen it. I've seen it it's too because so you made me watch it a number of times. <laughs> oh, it's craziness. All right. Now I'm just going to get out of my normal news loop and we're going to go talk about all this Disney <laughs> Marvel streaming stuff because this shit just got announced. And like, so we're sitting here on a Friday night trying to record a podcast and Disney's still fucking announcing new shit this week. And it's just like, because it's D23. It's also Gamescom this week. So there's a lot of news happening in two different avenues. So I'm getting a lot of entertainment news out of Disney and a lot of video games news coming out of Europe right now. And it's a lot to keep track of to do news for a podcast. But uh, the big news right off the top, aside from Robert Downey Jr. being honored as a Disney legend, which awesome, is that three new streaming series have been announced and are heading to Disney Plus in the new year. So first and foremost, Ms. Marvel is being announced, which is awesome. And it had been highly rumored. We've been talking about it for a while. 
Yeah, that one we've known was probably happening, but they finally uh, actually announced now. Yeah. And then two oft-rumored but never confirmed series were also announced. So Moon Knight, which is awesome and hopefully as weird as the Warren Ellis run from a couple years ago. And also She-Hulk, which Paul's super excited about, so I'm going to let him ramble. Um, (laughs) She-Hulk is uh, superhero Ali McBeal. She's a lawyer by day doing superhero law, and by night she, you know, kicks ass as She-Hulk. So I love the She-Hulk run. Who wrote that? Oh, I'm sorry, guys. Was that Peter David who wrote Yes, it was Peter David, I think. Peter David, who's going to be at Dragon Con, because he's always at Dragon Con. Yeah, he's always at Dragon Con. He's at Dragon Con every year. Yeah. Yeah. Peter David's run on She-Hulk is where I hope they gain their inspiration from, because it was like madcap superhero courtroom antics, followed by some kick-ass fight sequences with She-Hulk. So here's hoping that that's what we get. The nice. cool thing about the uh, the Ms. Marvel series is Kevin Feige has said that she's going to have her own Disney Plus series, but she's going to eventually end up in the big screen, or at least that's the plan as well. So that's cool that they're already sort of making plans to sort of introduce some of these characters on quote-unquote TV, if you want to call streaming services TV, and then they're going to bring them into the movie universe, which is what we'd all fucking wanted with the Netflix shows. Yeah. It never happened. Well, see, Moon Knight being there also nicely allows them to kind of reintroduce Daredevil if they ever want to, even if, like, regardless of how they want to do it, whether it be a recast or reintroducing Charlie. God, I hope they just bring Charlie in. But anyway... (laughs) I know, right? But he's the ideal character to, like, if that series is continuing and they get the rights to do it, and they're like, hey, we want to reintroduce Daredevil, Moon Knight's the perfect fucking spot to put him yeah. uh, to, re- to get into that Marvel Knight side of things again. Final scene of Moon Knight series, camera pans up, and there's a man in a red devil costume standing with his back oh. to the camera, <laughs> and then he turns around, and it's it. Charlie Cox. Yes! That's what I want. <laughs> I'm all for more uh, Charlie Cox, be. Daredevil. Yeah. Yeah, that for sure. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to talk about on the Disney side of things? Because I I've, I've looked at the D23. This was the biggest thing I saw. Lots of park stuff. I know there was park stuff. Yeah, so they announced a whole bunch of stuff about uh, Avengers Campus, which I, I mentioned when I was talking about California Adventure. Or maybe I didn't mention it on the podcast, but when I was at California Adventure a few weeks ago, there was a whole cordoned off area that we already knew was going to be like a Marvel land, but now they've released some like early concept art for it. And basically, it's going to be like an Avengers sort of recruitment station is the idea. And they haven't like specifically announced what rides are going to be there or anything. But there's a bunch of like rumors and they're showing looks like there's going to be like a Spider-Man-y kind of ride because there's like they showed off a, a spider drone. You mean Night Monkey now? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, all that, all that. I, I, I don't know how the theme park rights fucking factor into yeah. all this stuff. Well, like, there's that's... TV stuff too, which like it's all. Like, I don't know how that's all gonna work out. And like, what about the video game now? Like, can Sony, like how does that work? It's all yeah. Anyway, yeah. So... I don't want to go back and talk about that. So yeah, fuck a lot them. of fuck lot Sony. Of stuff, but... Fuck off Sony. Um, but know. the concept art looks really cool, and I mean, I'm fucking. This is like intersection of two things I love: comic book shit, Marvel movies, and. In Disney Park, so I'm super there for that. Uh, I don't know that they gave it a release date or anything, but this is sort of the first real information that we've seen about it. So if that's the sort of thing that you're into, definitely look up the concept art and check that out. And then they uh, let slip some more information about the Star Wars Hotel, which mm. is that was yeah, which is this huge, like super immersive experience. It's basically like it's a set period of time you go in. It's like a three day experience, like three days, two nights, and it basically seems like it's set up like a space cruise ship kind of thing. 
So like there won't be any exterior windows, anything that looks like you're looking outside. You're like looking out into space. It's and it's called Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. I need to go to that. I just have to live on a starship for yeah. a little while. I need to yeah. do this. This is exciting for me, even if it is Star Wars and not like the universe I want it to be. Yeah, they give you it. a costume and everything, and like you have a you know, roles to play, and like everybody is in full-on role play from the you know, minute you go in to the minute you leave. So I love it so much. Because they're gonna see me and be like, "Hey, look, he's six foot six. Give him a Wookie costume." <laughs> be like, Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. They're so right, but I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. So that's the first like real information again that we've got about that Star Wars hotel as well. So that's pretty cool. I only saw two other things that I wanted to talk about before we kicked out of the news. So if you guys have anything else, you want to bring it up now and then we can get out. Well, the, were we going to talk about Matrix? Okay. That was one of the two things. So let's talk about the Matrix. So they've announced <laughs> that there's going to be a fourth Matrix movie and Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss are coming back and is one of the Wachowskis. Lana, Lana Wachowski. Lana Wachowski is coming back. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Now the Wachowski sisters, or one half of the Wachowski sisters. Yes. So I'm going to let Tim explain why he's excited about this, because <laughs> this is one of those movies where I'm like, they're going to have to earn their keep on this one for me, because those last two. <laughs> Ooh, I don't disagree. I am a bit of an apologist on the Matrix sequels. I like all three of the movies. The second two are on not a lot as, of things. Yeah. This, the second two are not as good as the first one for sure, but they definitely have some really cool shit. Like I'm not really big on the real worldy kind of stuff. Like that big fucking dance party and shit was all real weird. The cave rave. It was yeah. terrible. It was terrible. Yeah. Stupid. It was pretty dumb. Yeah. But a lot of the in matrix stuff and I, I still appreciate it for sort of the greater metaphor of the whole overarching series and that's i think what i'm most interested in is seeing this franchise that really took sort of those mass consciousness concerns regarding technology and everything in the like turn of the millennium and seeing what the that same world has to say about 2019 you know 2020 whenever this movie comes out north america like western culture kind of thing i think there will be some cool things there assuming that you know lana can get back in the vibe of of writing this world and with the same sort of like level of cutting social commentary yeah well i think that they can be a lot more explicit now about the trans elements in the storyline where neo getting dead named by agent smith and things like that like the the, uh, if you look at the original matrix film through the lens of hey, this was directed by two trans women. Mm-hmm. A, it's a really interesting narrative about transitioning. And yeah, yeah, and I think they can be even more explicit about that. Like originally, the character of Switch was supposed to be one gender in the Matrix and one gender outside of the Matrix. And they yeah. they decided to just go for an androgynous woman at that point. Or is it an androgynous man? Either way, <laughs> it's I'm really looking forward to that aspect of it. And the fact that Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss both still look amazing for their age. It's got yeah. age. Yeah. I mean, obviously it remains to be seen how Neo will have any role in this whatsoever. Maybe he's maybe he's entirely in the Matrix now. Maybe his body died, but his consciousness still lives on in the Matrix. Who the fuck knows? But the other thing that I'm sort of in terms of overall themes that I'm really interested in seeing how they handle is the ideas of perception and media manipulation and that sort of thing. And that's obviously something that is fucking right in the core of everybody's mind these days. So Mm -hmm. that will be interesting to see as well. Mark, 
are you're not caught up on Tom King Batman, are you? That's my geek of the week is that I'm starting it again. Okay, so, so I I'm, can't spoil I'm, the major development that happened this past week then? I already got it fucking spoiled for me. So all right. to be fair, that is what instigated me like going back and re-grabbing all the trades and making sure I had everything yeah. so that I could start reading again. So Paul, do you mind if I spoil it? No, go ahead. Okay, so the big development in Batman 77, which came out a couple of days ago and is uh, sort of everything in Tom King's 77 issue. Now, Batman arc is sort of coming to a head and Bane and the villains have taken over Metropolis. The storyline is called City of Bane. And this week, Bane killed Alfred. Bane well, snapped Alfred's neck, presumably. It's, you know, last page yeah. of the of the issue. We don't know 100%, you know, Tom King, I feel like, would not have pulled that trigger if he wasn't going to make it, you know, real. You know, there are other writers that I would say are a little bit more of a hack that might, like, use that as a cliffhanger and then show that it was Clayface in the next issue or something like that. But I have a feeling that this is real. And if so, we'll obviously have wide-reaching repercussions in the DC Comics Bat universe. Uh, No, I'm going to read that. I'm in the middle of, like, catching up so that was kind of gonna be my geek of the week was going back to gotham so the only other two things i have uh they have announced the title for the last date well maybe last daniel craig james bond movie so bond 25 will be titled no No time Time to to die Die, with the really cool like retro logo as well like it looks like those old broccoli or no was the name of the original author of those of the books ian fleming uh fleming yeah it has like a typeface that's yeah. very reminiscent of some of those old original like Fleming novels so I mean I, there's nothing else they really announced about it on that but it just I'm excited for new bond so that's cool the last one I have is yeah. that they have cast the monkey in why the last man <laughs> and it is the same monkey who was in friends because apparently monkeys last for like last <laughs> live for 40 years that's yeah that that monkey is is, has been studying under yeah. Sting, let's say. Experiencing tantric. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was looking at its credits. It has other credits aside from just the Friends thing, but the Friends thing is the funniest one because that's one everybody seems to remember. There was a couple like nerdy ones that were in there. I think it was the Outbreak Monkey. It was the one that I got excited about. And it was also yeah, on yeah. 30 Rock. It was the monkey on 30 Rock in that one episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tracy Morgan's yeah. characters. It was probably monkey. also the monkey on yeah. Community, now that I think about it. Because I think it looked the same. But who knows? It was Annie's boobs? Annie's boobs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Annie's boobs. <laughs> I'm back. Sorry. Hi. What are we doing? Podcasting, right? Yeah. Shit. <laughs> Boopy doopy doop doop. <laughs> it's still one of my favorite two minutes on that tv show among so many good moments on that show (laughs) that's true (laughs) me dummy you said i love it all right geek of the week (laughs) geek of the week geek geek of the week so this is the segment where we tell each other the nerdiest thing we did this week so we're gonna start with paul okay so um anime so tune out. Uh, <laughs> you have 30 seconds. I'm timing you. I'm glad we understand yeah. each other. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> the director of one of my, actually my favorite anime ever, Revolutionary Girl Utena, released a series earlier this year that I hadn't even heard that he had done. And it's all finished. It's only 11 episodes, but it's called Sarazanmai. And it's about three high school boys who accidentally break a Kappa demon statue, which a Kappa demon is like a frog with a beak. And it's like in... Japanese legends and stuff like that. Anyway, 
they have to, in order to return to their human forms, they have to defeat demons by performing synchronized dances to extract the organ of human desire from the demon's rectums. And it's so... My listeners, I wish (laughs) you could see the look on Mark and my faces right now. I don't know what he just said. Was that in English? What is happening? I thought what we were talking about today was fucked up, but (laughs) what were we talking about today? Jesus Christ, Japan. It is so fucking good. I can't explain like how like entertaining this show is, but it's like in my head, it's like the director realized how to do male G-spot orgasms and decided to make an anime out of it, but also with synchronized boy frog dancing. I don't know. It's just like it's good. It's it's super fucking watchable, and I recommend it. But I I can't stop laughing about it. It's really good. Watch it. Jesus. Someday Paula's gonna make us watch some of this crazy fucking shit, and Mark and my like brains are gonna blow up, like melt. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be something. It'll be when you guys move back here, and we're all stuck in the house recording. Paula's gonna be like, "Watch this thing for five minutes, and it'll turn into five minutes." I'm not high enough for that. Five minutes of Paul time turns into twenty-five minutes. It's like, yeah, definitely. I do not have enough acid in the house for all of us to be high enough for this to actually work. So. I may need to make a call. (laughs) All right. What about you, Tim? My Geek of the Week is going to be more cosplay construction. So we've still been working on these Ring Wraith get-ups. We finished, or I finished my gauntlets this week, and I'm really happy with how they turned out. Um, At some point, I mean, I'm sure our listeners will end up seeing pictures of it. You should post them to the group. You've been posting them to Facebook, you and Alicia, and they look great. So Yeah, yeah. So, like, this is the first time I've, like, made anything sort of from scratch, even though we are working off, like, patterns and templates and sort of tutorials. But, you know, we've done all the legwork, all the, you know, actual hands-on work ourselves. So I've been really happy how they've turned out. And I also finished off sort of sound setup. I don't remember if I mentioned, I know I've been telling people about this, so I can't remember who I told what, but I'm working on a sound gauntlet that I can wear underneath or a sound activated like trigger kind of thing. So that will have a speaker that I can hang around my neck so that I can like go around and like play ring rate sounds and like Shire Baggins into like people's ears like when i sneak up behind them and shit and just scare the shit out of people that's really easy man one of those battery power bluetooth things you're flying right you just have your mp3 queue what it is there's is a little soundboard that you just order it it's got like little one touch kind of buttons that you can put under each of your fingers and then because it has to be something i can trigger like through the glove and everything right right so I, I can't like just do it off my phone kind of thing. So yeah, you just plug it USB into your computer and then it comes with a little piece of software that you can use to like load the stuff on and like tell it whether you want it to play like in a loop or just once or like in a cycle of like multiple sounds, that kind of thing. Nice. And then it's just got a, it has a speaker on it, but it's just a little shitty like speaker. And, uh, but it also has an aux out, like a three and a half millimeter out. Nice. So I'm running a an aux cable up my arm to like one of those little speakers that like tour guides and like teachers yeah. use in big classrooms that just like hangs around your neck. And so I'm running it into that so that the sound will actually be coming out like close to my face kind of thing. Nice. That's a good idea. So, I like it. Yeah. And that amplifies it a lot more and makes it, the sounds going to come through a lot clearer on that than it would off just a little shitty speaker that comes on the board. Yeah. I've seen those sound switches for proton pack building, obviously, for like mm-hmm. hobby building, for stuff like that. So they use them for those. It was another thing. 
like I just found a tutorial online that like one of the 501st, like the Stormtrooper guys made. Yeah. It was a tutorial. They were like, we're just going to show you how to make it for like a Jawa cosplay. But, you know, you could very easily adapt this to any kind of cosplay kind of thing. Yeah. So it's just all like built around a little like wrist like compression glove that has the strap around it that you sort of use to like keep all the electronics held together. And yeah. then you sew like little Velcro pieces on it and stuff. And yep. It was fun. It was like pretty quick, like maybe took me two or three hours or something to put together, but it's, I think it's going to add a lot to the costume. Yeah. I always like that kind of stuff when people have like the interactive or like the sound element attached to it, especially like obviously on the Ghostbuster stuff or like I've seen nice yeah. hand-built phaser props that have like the sound coming off of them properly. And I'm like, those are, mm-hmm. they've obviously built like a good size speaker into the chassis. Yeah, to yeah. do it with so that it sounds real loud but there's another guy i know on facebook who's um doing a scarlet witch uh cosplay for his girlfriend and wife girlfriend i'm not sure which but he's got lights built into the sleeves like red lights and like he's basically set up like an e-cigarette like a vape pen to pump out smoke yeah. through like a system of tubing around the arms and stuff as well so that she can be doing like crazy magic and shit like that with like glowy smoke coming out be careful really those, cool. those batteries get real hot those vape batteries <laughs> just just so she knows she <laughs> this sure guy knows smart. what he's doing he's, he's done a lot of this kind of stuff before so oh so yeah i started reading comics again so i was reading the boys just to kind of get up to date on what we were talking about this week um so that i could kind of have a at least broad kind of overview of what the comic was actually like and whew, that was that was a fun 20 issues that i read but I'm back. Is there into... only 20 issues of it? No, there's it... 72. You only got through 20. I only got through 20. And it was a rough time getting through those 20. Let me tell you what. But well, that story on io9 inspired me to go and kind of catch up to Tom King's Batman run. So that's kind of what I'm doing. I've started from the beginning. Like I've gone back to issue, like his first issue was issue one, if I'm not mistaken. And started reading from there to catch up. But uh, I love that run. And the guy, who... ah, shit, I had his name written down. And my thing was doing up. the art. Yeah. Is it Clay Man? Tony Daniels. Tony Daniels. Doing, right, yeah. right, right. Tony Daniels has been doing the art, and he is just just so yeah, goddamn yeah. good. He's real good at drawing these characters. I was really impressed because I was kind of... I knew Tom King was a good writer coming off of Snyder, but I was worried about the pencils coming off Capullo because Capullo is like... He's my definitive Batman artist for the last like 20 years now. He's so... Yeah good at drawing those characters have you been reading their new uh, project like their quote-unquote last batman story i've got the first two issues loaded up on my okay. ipad it's it's pretty fucking batshit insane like it's post-apocalyptic yeah. batman which is crazy but like it it works for their style of storytelling together i wanted to talk to you i haven't i haven't actually had it like we were doing the episode this week and i was going to bring it up earlier but I, I read the i flipped through the first two issues of year one superman year one and I was like, it's fucking really bad. Like, really bad. At least I thought it was, just from what I was kind of looking, like, quickly reading. I read the second issue last night. It is challenging. Okay, fair. There are some good elements to it. Like, I see what Frank Miller's trying to do with it. Part of it is just I've never been, like, real big on... Like, I, I don't have all that, like, crazy nostalgia, you know, Mar- early Marvel nostalgia for John Romita Jr., yeah, I, and neither do I. I'm not a Ramita guy either, so... And I don't like his art on characters like Superman. I don't find it works particularly well. I find he works better, like, on a Daredevil or something dark kind of thing. Yeah. Superman's a weird pull for him. Yeah, it's not the worst Superman story I've ever seen. No. But it, it feels like a really forced take on the character. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm not really digging it, but... Cool. That was it. It's just me getting a little bit of. I needed uh, some drawing break because my hands were starting to hurt, and I figured I would just do more <laughs> eye strain by reading a bunch. So that's what I did: was go read comics. 
and just look at other illustrators, do how they're doing stuff. Um, so now it's time for me to the episode. Meat of the episode. Tuna free dolphin meat. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this week we are going to review Amazon Prime's The Boys. The Carl Weather or Carl Weathers. <laughs> <laughs> Apollo Creed, apparently. Apollo Creed's in there. Wow. <laughs> Uh, Eric Kripke, sorry, wow, holy shit. What are you doing? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know why I have Carl fucking Weathers in my head. I have no idea what's wrong with me. Seth Rogen? No, it's you're talking about Carl Urban. Is who Carl Urban. Trying to talk I'm about. trying to say Carl Urban is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> the Carl Urban starring vehicle on Amazon. I'm leaving this whole bit in. Apparently I wanna, now I want to see this remade with Carl Weathers. <laughs> so do I, actually. I think it would be really good. All ripped and stuff in like ninety. He's got to be like what in his seventies now. I have to look yeah, it up. Yeah, and and uh, he can play Billy Butcher and Billy and Huey can have like like that uh, that Super beach awkward. scene where yeah that where they where they jump around. And yeah, play. I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the Voice is uh, Amazon Prime's new show, originally based so based on a comic by Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson, developed for television by Supernatural's Eric Kripke which I thought was interesting, at least for me, because I liked those first five seasons when he was still involved with the show. Yeah, with Seth Rogen on the EP team as well. Yeah, so it's the same EP team that developed Preacher for Stars, or for whoever. Showtime? Showtime? FX? No. AMC. 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 Preacher's AMC. Good pull. AMC. So they developed that for AMC, and he with Eric Kripke, they developed this at Amazon Prime. So first off, let's just start with general impressions. Boys, what did you think of The Boys? <laughs> I was surprised at how much I enjoyed The Boys, considering my utter disdain for Garth Ennis and his source material. <laughs> I find him to be like the worst fucking kind of edgelord content creator. He is Agreed. like, he's awful. But obviously some of his concepts, when filtered through many other creative types can yield pretty good results and i think that the first season of the boys with some ups and downs was really successful this like i think kripke did a really good job of adapting this to for television like it feels it feels very much like how he handled supernatural like the tone and like the humor and stuff like that was like supernatural without the filter without that network filter Mm -hmm. and it worked really well i would give a lot of credit to kripke but i mean the whole team that killed it this show is very very well put together i am not also a huge fan of garth ennis i've read that punisher run like the iconic one from the mid to like late 90s to mid 2000s it was fine like it's super just like punisher kills a bunch of people mm-hmm. nothing exciting obviously i'm a big fan of preacher the comic the show i haven't watched a ton of because it kind of felt a little flat for me but i mean i was all there for that comic recently garth ennis i haven't read anything i read now i've read 20 issues of the boys and it's a <laughs> yeah like that edgelord label paul put on him is it applies 100 percent to this book it's pretty brutal like to get i mean through. that's yeah that's what he's known for right yeah. like that's his thing and and he you know to be fair that he made that work for him when at a time when that was basically yep the thing well yeah when that was basically like the thing in comics mm-hmm. right i mean and he to give him his fucking due he was born in Northern Ireland and raised through the fucking troubles. So I don't yep. blame him for having a real fucking dire outlook on shit and having some really fucking brutal imagery in his comics. Yeah, I agree. Like, I'm not the biggest 
fan of Garth Ennis, and I've I have like his Hitman run, but I haven't read it. I have like a couple of other things that he's done for DC over the years that he's read, and like I've been like, okay, whatever. Like, and I was ex- very much expecting this to be like a straight up cynical take, like no no sympathy for the capes, like no redemption or anything that I was ready for that. I was prepared for that. I was like, okay, this could be cool. But then it wasn't that it was definitely, it caught me off guard. It was somewhat different than what I was expecting. It was interesting. I mean, we've said multiple times, Mark and I both have said like, Hey, we want stories that are set in a, in terms of live action stuff. We want stories that are set in kind of a lived in universe and Holy fuck, this is a lived in superhero universe for sure. And we're really just tossed into the middle of it and sort of left to fend for ourselves and we kind of pick up bits and pieces as we go about the history of this world and how it got to where it is but there's still a lot of shit uh, that we don't know so yeah i would say i enjoyed it overall it definitely caught me off guard there were some ups and downs i agree with paul on a couple of things there was some some unevenness and stuff like that some areas where i was like okay they've gone really hard from one tone to another here and that kind of thing but for the most part, I was really there for it. I'm curious to see how this is going to turn out because I've only seen this once and I really just have my glowing first watch impressions <laughs> of it right now. I've watched twice. <laughs> so this will be fun for me because I'm not going to be coming in with like, I fucking hated this because I watched it twice and I saw the problems with it. I just watched mm-hmm. it once. And all I see right now when I look back on it was having a blast with a really good story and laughing my ass off at some of the ridiculous shit they did because there oh, yeah. is some ridiculous shit in the yeah. show that i enjoyed the hell out of so all right so let's start off did you guys actually have gripes i'm curious to hear the gripes let's start negative and then we'll go positive from there sure one of my gripes was that it felt overstuffed at times there was a lot going on they had a you know there were some characters where they could have just kind of left them as background characters or maybe like touched on them in future seasons develop them more in future seasons rather than trying to go like i felt like they really tried to give every member of the seven like a subplot and they didn't really need to. They could have like yeah. left that for, for later. And so it ended up jumping around a lot between some of the subplots. And some of them felt really underserved for the most part. Like Queen Maeve, I felt like her subplot was kind of like just weak and contrived by the end of the season. I'd like to see more from her. And then Kamiko's storyline in particular for me felt really hacky. Mm-hmm. Like I was, it was just kind of like, okay, she's a terrorist, but we're not going to really tell you much more than that. And like, I really wasn't left feeling that I had much sympathy for her at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I, Does that make sense? I felt yeah. similarly to Popclaw. Like, her storyline mm-hmm. just felt like it's almost like they gave her too much screen time. Like, I'm all for like developing characters properly, but it seemed like they really stretched that out a little too much. Even though I liked, I liked learning more about A Train, her storyline just felt a little bit overcooked. Yeah, there was some stuff like that, too, where it was like they had a good thing going with some of the characters and then they added one extra dimension to it or one little fork or something that just felt like tangential. Like for me, with with A-Train, it was his whole thing in the department store where the security guard was like following him around. I was like, okay, like I see where you're going with this. It's, you know, obviously something that happens, but it just is out of nowhere, seemingly. Yeah doesn't really fit in with the rest of what we've seen and, and sort of where A-Train's storyline is. Yeah, and it didn't quite make sense in terms of the, the universe that they had built because he was, if he's part of the Seven, then like yeah, racism is exactly the same in this universe as it is in our universe that like white people see all people of color as the same, but like he's obviously like a 
premier part of the seven. Like an A-list celebrity, yeah. basically. It would be like basically if you were following around like Morgan Freeman or like fucking Denzel Washington in a department store. Yeah, that seemed a little bit off to me considering he had just had the world's fastest man race. I don't know how much time had elapsed, but it still felt a little bit weird to me that like that was tacked on. Like it's still like an important message to talk about, like the yeah. way that people of color are treated by people in authority. Very important thing to talk about, but in this context, it did, yeah, I felt a little weird. I guess I should have said spoilers at the top, eh? <laughs> Tag that in later. <laughs> My other major one was the ending of the season just kind of fell flat for me. Like, I was really hoping for a big showdown, but instead, like, it just kind of fizzled out. Like, again, I get what they were trying to do with A-Train's heart just giving out, but I was like, okay, that's... Yeah, like, I'm okay. That, that happened, I guess. And then, like... I could have done without the cliffhanger. Nobody's stories really felt like they had closure or even like a natural stopping point. It was just like, okay, season's over. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. I, I mean, I understand you're making more of this, but we, they didn't know when they finished it that they were making more of it. Like, I would have been real pissed off if this hadn't got renewed and it just ended right there. Yeah, I was curious about that. Like, whether if that came in later, like they had shot two things and just like when the positive reaction happened, that was kind of what they tagged on to that last episode mm. before they released it kind of thing. I don't know. Well, it was all dumped at once, though. It wasn't, like, dumped one week at a time. No, but usually the reviews come out. They usually get the first, like, two or three episodes right, kind of right. thing. So, like, everybody kind of came out glowing and everybody started watching it. And you could you could have two episodes in there, like, at yeah. launch day. And if you got the reviews that were positive, be like, yeah, we're going to renew it. Fuck it. Drop the one that's got the cliffhanger in it instead of the more definite ending that we would have done otherwise. Yeah, that's been happening all over the place. Like, I know they shot a ton of shit for even like Endgame and stuff that just didn't go in the movie just to throw off any potential spoiler leaks kind of happening. So mm-hmm. I've been hearing that happening a lot more lately. That's yeah. probably that may be kind of the case there. I didn't mind that ending because it means I was like, oh, good. That means they're renewing it, which good because I really want to watch more of this fucking show because I was entertained. So, yeah, those were my only like true gripes. Yeah. I was bummed that they decided to. I don't know if this is part of the comic books but i love elizabeth shoe in this show mm-hmm. and i was sad that they killed her off like i felt like her yeah. interactions with homelander were like some of the best things that were going on in the season so it was it was a bummer for me to see her get fucking her eyes burned out but okay yeah that was fucking brutal it was yeah I, I agree she was really well cast and acted the fuck out of that yeah, part she like did. she was really good and her and Homelander's whole, like, mommy-son thing was super fucking creepy. Yeah. Super fucking he's creepy. He's so good, though. Like, he's so fucking yeah. good at that. Oh, bit. yeah. Like, yeah. He was so good. Yeah, because that character, her character is a man in the comic. Oh. So they crossed, okay. like, they gender-switched it for the TV show and cast Elizabeth Shue, which, like, I was just happy to see Elizabeth Shue at first. I was like, sweet. Yeah. I love Elizabeth Shue. She's great. But then she just fucking crushed it. Like, she was so good. Yeah, like super conniving and like manipulating everybody and like doing that glad handing like executive stuff. Yeah, creepily well. I was like, oh, so yeah. good. So yeah, the good. threats. The acting on this show was like really next level. I was surprised by how good a job all the actors yeah. did on the show. Like even somebody that I wasn't expecting, like Jack Quaid, who is Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan's son. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Hollywood nepotism, right? Like Hollywood nepotism. Yeah. I thought he was really good. But, like, Elizabeth Shue and Anthony Starr as Homelander and... Madeline Stillwell. Stillwell. Madeline Stillwell, yeah. Were fucking fantastic. Like, their whole interaction was just, like, 
I am so creeped out by this yeah, right now. Yeah, for sure. yeah. And I love the girl that played uh, Annie too, that played Starlight. She was super good and, and yeah. cast very well for that sort of like, you know, plucky Midwestern kind of girl, but one that comes with that a little bit free thinking kind of thing. Like they yeah. just played her to type really, really well. That actress was the young woman in Jessica Jones season one. Yeah. So oh, like, okay. uh, she was Hope. Yeah, she was Hope in season one of Jessica Jones. Ooh. So the girl that killed her two her parents yeah. under Purple Man's uh, influence. Yeah. Because I looked, I at first I thought it was, is it Liv from my zombie? Like that's who I thought it was at first. Yeah. Just like when I quickly saw her. Yeah, I was like, oh shit, is that Rose McIver? But it's not. It's just the makeup is, I don't know, maybe close enough. But yeah. anyway, but I looked it up and I was like, oh, it's the girl from Jessica Jones. <laughs> so I, I did recognize her, just not the right one. The only casting that I thought was kind of wasted, like, I thought Simon Pegg was kind of wasted in this role. Like, they did not need Simon Pegg in that place. Anybody could have played that just as well. It's actually an in-joke, because the Huey character in the comic was modeled after Simon Pegg. Okay. And he's buddies with Seth Rogen. So when they were casting the dad, they were like, hey, do you want to come and do it? And he was like, yeah, they used my fucking face for the comic. I mean, I'll <laughs> well do it. So he showed up and did the dad. So, because I saw him, and I was like, I remember I posted it in the thing, like, holy shit, Simon Pegg's in this. And then they didn't use him a lot, but I was like, oh, he's really good in this. Like, yeah, I thought he did a good well, job. Of course he's going to do a good yeah, job, but it's just fine. like, it was just such a weird role for him that, like, I, I agree. <laughs> it was distracting. Yeah, it was distracting how normal <laughs> he fine. was and how, like, subject yeah. he was. <laughs> yeah, but he is. I love, see, I don't know. I thought he was yeah. great. So, so I just thought it was cool to see him just show yeah. up there at that point. My biggest surprise <laughs> was Chase Crawford, because I've seen some Gossip Girl here and there being friends with. Becky and like having she she forced me to watch a couple episodes of it and I've seen it here and there. I think our sister watched yeah. it too. So and Chase Crawford as the deep was really good because he's such a fuck up and he <laughs> got this like gorgeous face like he's just so like insufferable in real life and it's like I feel like the like, the, the kind of guy that fails upwards because he's so pretty. Yeah, he did such a good job. I was I was really impressed. Wanting to do good for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Yeah. What I like is that this show was, we all enjoyed this show so much that we were talking about negatives and have already started just talking about what we liked, <laughs> yeah. regardless of Transitioned that. Transitioned right into so, that. Just, yeah. yeah, so that, that kind of worked out nicely, because all the acting was really good. I was trying to think, look at, like, just look at the list and see who else we hadn't talked about. Um, we did not talk about Carl fucking Urban, who plays Billy Butcher. <laughs> and it he was amazing. The most fucking eminently watchable role I've seen Carl Urban in since Bones. Like, he's so fucking just like, oh man, I want to see what this crazy motherfucker does next. Cause, yeah, he picked up a baby with eye, like, heat vision and started cutting <laughs> guys in half. That this was guy's so my hero. Good. This guy's my hero right now. Like, yeah. that was amazing. That was definitely um, one of my, one of my top moments in this year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, and then who else was in there that I just wanted to make sure we, we mentioned? Oh, uh, Jennifer Esposito shows up as the CIA director. Yeah. Awesome. It's always nice to see Jennifer Esposito just kind of pop up here and there. I think uh, Karen Fukuhara did a good job as Kimiko, even though, yeah, her storyline wasn't the best. She did a really good job. More developed than it was in the comic. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't her character's name the female in the comic? comic? Like, she's just a female? Yeah. 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 Garth Ennis', Garth Ennis yeah. uh, feelings towards women in general or can be summed up by that character's name. Just saying. But actually, in the, <laughs> but in the comic, they don't really actually. None of them actually have real, like real names. Like the Frenchman is just the Frenchman, or they call him Frenchie. And then Mother's Milk, they never give you a name. It's just Mother's Milk. Yeah, he was the one. I I couldn't pin him down, Frenchie. Like he was they just such him a fucking right out of the comic. It really? was so he was... weird. Yeah, 
he's just such a fucking like stereotype that it, I found it distracting a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And like I kept feeling like I was supposed to sympathize with him, but he never really came off as genuine. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know yeah. if it's on purpose or not. It felt like a direct lift from the comic character. Like they're both just really scattered, weird. Like the comic character sniffs around on the ground like a like a hound dog. Mm-hmm. It's really bizarre. Like the character is very crazy. Like it's like yeah. the Garth Ennis crazy person character that he always puts on his teams. That's the Frenchman or Frenchie yeah. or whatever. And like, whew, they might have overdone it a little bit in the series. Yeah, yeah he didn't quit. I don't know I was fine with it. He offered enough comic relief for me that I was like, I'm fine with him just kind of just fucking everything up over and over again. And for some reason, everybody's forgiving him because I don't know. They seem like the kind of guys who forgive a lot of things. Yeah. Really. And then the, I loved Haley Joe Osment. His oh, guest yeah. spot as Mesmer was so good. Especially like him, you know, playing the type as like the aging child star kind of thing. Yeah. Was, was so so apt. I don't know who played Translucent. I can't remember his name, but the guy who played Translucent, I thought did a good job, especially considering how horrifically he died. <laughs> Which was yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Man, we talked. It's just like the actors we talked about so far. What else is there to talk about? What else did you guys like? I mean, just the overall themes of it. I'm always a fan of sort of that this flawed heroes idea. Yeah. You know, it, when when comics do stories that are in their vein of like corporate heroes and like the collateral damage of superheroics and those are all really like postmodern comic book ideas and I'm always a fan of that kind of stuff yeah. uh, and also sort of how powers would work in quote unquote with like real world physics like you know when Homelander uses his fucking heat vision on dudes it just like shears them in half and shit like yeah. that like it's not like you know, some, oh, I just got hot, or like, you know, you just burnt my hand, or something like that. Yeah. But, and when he's Queen Mavis telling him, hold the plane up and stop it from crashing, he's like, I, yeah. that's not yeah. how physics works. Uh, yeah, that's not how any of this yeah. works. Yeah. <laughs> Ended up being one of my favorite scenes in the entire series so far when he's yeah. like, I'm going to laser you, and like threatening the passengers after they try to, a PR stunt gone horribly awry. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, some of the writing was so good in this season. Yeah. And Anthony Starr, like, in that scene in particular, like, his ability to turn on a dime, like, to be talking to the people and be, like, smiling Superman, like, I'm going to save you. And then be turned to Maven, like, fuck these fucking ants. Total Let's get the fucking, fuck out of here. Yeah, total, like, total sociopath. sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was was very creepy. So yeah. I like the one big takeaway from this show for me was like I have a big crush on Carl Urban. I mean, wait, did I say that out loud? <laughs> what I actually meant to say was that Anthony Starr is a lot fucking better actor than I had any idea he was. So I gotta find some more of his stuff to see if he holds up elsewhere because he killed it. I just found out that the actor who played Translucent is going to be in the Cowboy Bebop series as the main villain, Vicious. I'm very excited about that. Okay. That's cool. Anyway, but yeah, we were talking about Anthony Starr. Uh, Anthony Starr was in Banshee, and that fucking show yes. is really good, so check it out. He's amazing in it. It's yeah. funny, Mom and Dad were just saying like they were starting to watch it and that I should start to watch it, and they're like, oh, the guy who played Homelander's in it. And I was like, oh, I knew that, but is it worth watching? Like, I was waiting for them to tell me whether it was or not, yeah. so yeah. maybe I'll check it out this weekend. And like Homelander is sort of case in point for where I was expecting the show to be like just straight up cynical, but like ultimately they portray even the shittiest characters with at least a little bit of sympathy. Like you get Homelander's flashbacks to like being a baby and having like experiments run on him mm-hmm. in a facility and shit like that. Like the deep who's obviously a piece of shit ends up like having his gills abused by that groupie and mm-hmm. 
and like has his Britney moment and everything. So like I was expecting just all of the seven with the exception of Starlight to just be total pieces of fucking garbage, but then they weren't really. What I did like was that, Oh God, I can't remember the character's name. Black Noir <laughs> didn't do anything the entire season. Like, he had that one there. fight with uh, with Kamiko and then played some piano. That's right. He did have the fight with Kamiko. That's right. But he's just kind of around all the time. There's that awesome scene where Homelander's like, you guys are all fucking up and I hate all of you. And you're all, like, I should, I should just fucking laser you all. Except for you, Black Noir. You're, you. the, you're the fucking man. Yeah. You keep going. And he's just like kind of <laughs> nods and then just walks away. I'm like, that guy. I like that guy. Let's do this. That's yeah. the show I want now. It's like, let's follow him around. <laughs> so I thought that was a lot of fun. We are talking about the writing. I almost appreciated the non-superhero stuff. Like, basically them using the superhero lens to, like, say a bunch of things that needed saying about stuff like celebrity and misogyny and sexual harassment and, like, public relations, marketing, spin, corporate Christianity, all of that stuff. Like, that, that was, was yeah. more meaningful to me than anything that they had to say about, like, superheroics and, you know, the current craze of superhero movies and TV shows. Mm-hmm. And everything. Yeah, that was actually, like, I've been to a couple of those kinds of events. And they're just as creepy in real life as they seem like on that show. So, yeah. oh boy, yeah. Yeah. yeah, stay away, stay away. Yeah. Front to back, it's a like I think that all of the point of view characters were very well chosen. But like having Huey and Starlight be our two like main protagonists, and the romantic entanglement was like that's eh, fine. Like I I bought it eventually. Like as him yeah. working through his grief for Robin and. Uh, yeah, Starlight just wanting, like, a normal dude because, like, she's a normal girl for the most part. The whole bowling alley scene sold it for me, really. Yeah. Like, especially when Huey calls her out for, like, playing down her abilities yeah. to him. And he's like, come on, just cut loose. And she's like, but guys don't usually like it when I do that. And that was the scene that really yeah. sold it for me. And I, from all my women friends, I've heard the same thing that they've had to play down their intelligence for guys. So it rang very true. Oh, God <laughs> damn it. Yeah. So yeah, it, yeah. Starlight's overall storyline was super good, and I'm glad that they didn't do the gang rape thing that I heard about in the comic. That it's not. I mean, oh, Jesus. They don't actually like. It's actually it's almost as creepy what they did in the show as what happens in the comic because they just they they imply it more. They don't show anything. They just they, like the setups there, and then it basically cuts to the next scene. So you're like, yes, it happened, but like it's not like an on camera okay. thing. Where like this, you have to sit there for five minutes with him with his dick out, and it's like the most awkward <laughs> situation of all time. <laughs> so like, I don't know which one I felt worse about. To be perfectly honest yeah. with you, like I, the comic one's gross, but this one's felt just as yeah. gross to me, regardless. Like was, so I'm either like, either way, yeah. it's not good. <laughs> yeah, not good either way. So it felt very Weinsteiny. Yeah, Weinsteiny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it felt pretty timely given what's going on all the time. So yeah, absolutely. So there were just like bits of like plot and writing elements that really were what sold it for me overall and some of them were like that scene where the deep exposes himself to starlight but it was his fucking tan lines on his ass like that, that was like they didn't need to go that hard but they did when he louis ck's starlight yeah basically <laughs> and like the cape sex club in particular the size changer diving face first into the girl's crotch yes yeah <laughs> well it was like i was we were talking about like pop claw like the way she kills her landlord like i know that was oh that yeah was pretty intense <laughs> but like that was like my favorite part about this show because it's like the blackest of black comedy like they just went for all of it they didn't shy away yeah. from anything it was just like yeah 
this show allows us to kind of go just black, 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 black sense of humor. And they went with it and it works for me a hundred percent. Cause that dolphin, yeah. that fucking dolphin. Oh, fuck. That was the one that really, really got to me. Like usually I'm okay with like really crazy <laughs> graphic violence and shit like that. Like I watch tons of horror movies, but that fucking dolphin bit, like as soon as I realized what was happening, like I, I think I literally said out loud, like, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and like I felt a little bit sick like watching it fly through the windshield in slow motion and then fucking get run over by the truck like it takes a lot to put me off and that put me off yeah, yeah. <laughs> was that before or after the grocery store scene because that like the poor fucking lobster oh <laughs> Jesus that was before was and then that... it's later on he's like maybe I can at least save this lobster yeah. and then he watches the fucking thing yes. Stabs cluster gets stabbed. Stabs the guy in the head. I was like, "Oh man, this poor fucking guy. Why do I feel sympathy for this fucking rapist? I don't understand why I feel sympathy for him. I shouldn't." See, but think that's the thing. Like, you can tell that he's trying to do right, and in that case, like, there's no glory. Like, there was glory for him in trying to save that dolphin, right? Mm -hmm. There was no glory for him in trying to save that lobster. He was just trying to help out like a fellow sea creature. Yeah, but he still fucked it up. Yeah. It was, yeah, he was a bit <laughs> fucked up. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But there were a lot of, like, those really fucking brutal moments that I don't think we, I think we have to mention. Like, minute that I really, like, realized what the series was, was A-Train fucking atomizing. Robin. Robin. Yeah. Like, the slow-mo blood splatters, like, her jawbone flying through the air. Like, it was like, okay, I see what we're, what I'm in for now. Yeah, and Huey's still holding on to what is left of her body in his hands. Like, her hands, yeah, yeah basically just her hands, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that actress is yeah. from Letterkenny. I oh, yeah, didn't realize yeah. that it's Marianne or Mary Beth, one of the two female hockey players that chirps yeah, on yeah, Jonesy. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. one of them. She's hysterically funny on Letterkenny. The show's filmed in Toronto. Well, yeah, show's filmed in Toronto. Off there, but... Yeah, we did mention it off air. The show's been filming in the area, and Letterkenny also films in... North Bay, so all these Toronto actors are back and forth for that show. Or Sudbury. The moment that triggered for me was there was a scene set in front of Vod HQ, and I saw it was like, that's Roy Thompson Hall. Yeah. Like the base of it is Roy Thompson Hall, and then they digitally enhance it into like an Avengers Tower style yeah. like skyscraper kind of thing. So as soon as I saw that, like really distinctive, like Roy Thompson Hall, for any of our listeners that don't know Toronto, that's like the uh, Symphony Hall in yeah. Toronto, and it has like this weird sort of conical shape to it, yeah. all glass panels. It's a cool building. Really distinctive. And like, yeah, they used it really well. There was a lot of like under the Gardner Expressway shots too that I was oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, wow, those are pretty common. They love to use the elevated highway for underneath shots in these superhero shows because yeah. they do it constantly. At one point, I saw a truck that had the uh, Canadian National yeah. Railway symbol on it oh, and stuff CN? like that. Like those little touches. Yeah, yeah, the CN logo. The CN logo was everywhere. Did you guys yeah. see Joint Boy in there too? He played another superhero like in a little like he was on TV that somebody was watching joint boy was with the superhero on the no. TV. I was like, Oh, it's joint oh. boy from letter Kenny. Also. I was like, huh. Oh, That's nice. what kind of snapped me back to realize that like that was Mary Beth or Marianne or whichever one of the two of it is. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. It's like oh, all these Toronto people, of course, that totally makes sense. It's just like all the secondary actors are going to be people that I recognize from all the other Toronto productions that I watch now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy in the black noir costume is also graduate from Ryerson. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Nathan Mitchell. Yeah, Nathan Mitchell. Yep. Hmm, craziness. So anything else you guys want to talk about? The only thing I had was like effects and production. They put a lot of money into this show. Like it looked yeah, sure did. surprisingly yeah. good for a TV show. 
they did, and yet it wasn't like you know, it wasn't something like Flash or Arrow where you've got like super choreographed fight scenes, that kind of thing. Like there were a couple of those, yep. but in in one of those shows, or even like the Marvel Netflix shows, you've got like one of those at least every episode. Yeah. Here it's like we had maybe two or three of those throughout the season. Like a lot of it was just much more subdued superheroics. Like it was Queen Maeve and Homelander just like walking into a building to stop a attack and that sort of thing. I did like that was actually a scene like just for the superheroics that I liked because they're just having a totally offhand conversation about conversation. something yeah, else yeah. while they're stopping these terrorists and the terrorists are kind of like, "What the fuck's going on?" And like they clearly don't care because they're at a power level. They're just like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, all right, shoot your fucking guns at me all day." Oh wait. Oh, you're annoying me now. I'm going to cut you in half my heat vision and continue my conversation without even really pausing while I do it. It's like, very well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And talking about production value as well, one thing I noticed, and I'm positive this was done on purpose, is that the Seven's costumes were, like, kind of chintzy. Like, they weren't what you'd even get on, like, a good quality, like, comic book TV show. Yeah. So they didn't hold up when viewed really close on camera within the show. But, like, I feel like that was on purpose to hammer home how superficial they are, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, that they would only, those cameras, they're not really designed to be filmed within the show, like, up close, because they only ever really appear on camera at a distance kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I thought that was a a nice little production touch. touch. Because everything else looked really good. And it actually, I can't pitch about Amazon Prime anymore, because everything comes in 4K with HDR now, like, in Mm 7.1. So I was like, huh. The presentation has improved vastly since the last show I watched on this thing. I was very happy with that. Yeah. Good on you for getting me a 4K stream, Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah. The DC nerd in me cannot let this finish without giving the obvious like parallels between the seven and like the classic lineup Justice League because they're direct takeoffs. Yeah. I mean, they're like through a mirror kind of one, you know, Homelander, Superman, Black Noir is Batman, Queen Maeve is Wonder Woman, the Deep is or the deepest Aquaman. Aquaman, yeah. Uh, A train is Flash. Lamplighter, I'm guessing, was meant to be Green, Green Lantern. Lantern. Yeah, uh, and then they end up with another light powered. She felt like Doctor Light to me. Like she could have just been Doctor Light. Yeah, like the new Doctor Light. Yeah, and then Translucent. I guess the closest analog would be Martian Manhunter because Martian Manhunter can also become invisible. But that's like one of the like least of Martian Manhunter's powers. Yeah, he was the only one that didn't have like really a direct analog. I'm still waiting for the day they do this series where they do like the evil version of a super team and they do like the like obviously they do the off-brand version of it the way this kind Mm -hmm. of is and they do the Avengers instead of fucking Justice League because it's always (laughs) Justice League never the Avengers it's kind of weird well because those are the archetypes right like those are the ones that people immediately think to and I, I think part of the problem for the longest time the Avengers felt like a more sort of nebulous concept because the membership was always changing Whereas yeah. there's always been at least a core four or five to the Justice League. Well, you look at the core three. Like, it's always the core three. Like, Cap, Iron Man, and Thor are always kind of like, yeah. those are the Avengers. Along yeah. with kind of Hawkeye and arguably the, Scarlet the Witch. Yeah. Yeah. And Ant-Man, yeah. And I feel like now that the Marvel movies have come out, those are probably close to, if not as solidified in the yeah. public consciousness. Like, that group is now going to be like this is, you know, you mentioned the Avengers to somebody. Yeah, and they'll say, like, this is the Avengers, as, you know, it's Hulk, it's Thor, it's uh, Iron Man, it's uh, Cap, it's Black Widow, and yeah, so. Until, like, the next movie where they expanded it by two, and then the next movie where they expanded it by 48, so it's kind of hard to keep track. I feel like within the next, let's say, five years, we'll probably have some sort of 
parody take that's not a porn movie. There's lots of those already on <laughs> on on the uh, on the Avengers. Yeah. Uh, cool. That was the only thing I really had. I was like, huh. And it's not even like a bad thing. It's just like. When are they going to do the fucking Avengers? Because it's always the Justice League they do that, like the dark version of. I just like to see my guys get done every once in a while. So, So the only other question I had, because I was just going to do our usual, like, what did you like? What didn't you like? But, like, I wanted to ask what your favorite crazy part was. Because there's some fucking crazy shit. So let's talk about, we've talked about a lot of the crazy. We have. Let's get into, like, what other crazy shit was in here. Because, like, I had written, my favorite thing was by far the baby heat vision. Like, <laughs> I will take yeah. that fucking image with me to my grave. I was like, Carl Urban, like the look on his face, he's like, I'm having 9,000 times too much fun. Like, this should yeah. be illegal how much fun I'm having doing this or pretending to do this anyway. Another one that I wouldn't say was like fun for me, but definitely had an impact was A-Train staging Popclaw's OD, yeah. shoving all the fucking needles into his arm at super speed. I was like, oh shit, that was another one of those ones that kind of set me back for a second kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't really prepared for like how translucent was going to die. Like when they tell him what they've done to him, <laughs> and then him actually dying. But like the look on his face when he realizes what they've done to him is <laughs> just like yeah. that's why I wanted to shout that actor out because like he didn't do a lot and he obviously gets killed real early. But that little bit that he does there was just like comedy gold because he yeah. looked real upset, like real upset. <laughs> And that being such an, an appropriate end for him, too, considering how many times he'd violated the women of the Seven by creeping in the fucking bathroom. Yeah. So that he gets violated and that's how he fucking dies was pretty pretty suited. That's pretty fucking gross, too. Like, just yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Like, shit's gross. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I like that, too, going back to Translucent. Another bit that I thought they did really well with him was the fight in the electronic store. Um, in particular, Butcher spitting blood onto him so that he could see him. Yeah, yeah, like and that. and again, the effects that was probably the most impressive effect that I found in the whole show was how they handled like the butcher or translucent, translucent. like yeah, having yeah. like some something on him, but still being, being mostly invisible. invisible. Yeah. yeah, it was really really well done. They had a good bit where like he's in the bathroom with them repeatedly. Like it's creepy, but like the last one where like Maeve like throws something at him or tells him to fuck off or whatever, like that made me yeah. laugh. And he kind of like just appears completely naked standing there. I was like, yeah, oh, God, you scumbag piece of shit. That's <laughs> then they really hang on that shot as he walks towards you with his dick swinging. I was like, that's that's great. Thank you for that. There Thank was a, yeah. a fair amount of fan service for both sides. Both sides, I would say. Like, yeah. you know, we had we had Carl Urban first of all, which is just like Carl Urban is just walking fan service. I yeah. love that man uh, with that beard too. God damn. Yeah. Anyway, but it was. <laughs> God damn. Paul just had a moment. So while Paul's having his little Carl Urban moment, I really <laughs> wish he'd gotten cast as Batman after watching this. Like that was my biggest like Carl Urban takeaway from this was like, man, they fucked up. They really should have got that guy in the cowl because, whoo boy, I would have yeah, enjoyed. Yeah, would have been really good. He'd have been a good Batman. I'm trying to think of other crazy... The, the Popclaw killing her landlord thing was insane. Um, <laughs> so I, was like, I was like, that is a way to go, but like not the way I want to go. So, yeah, whew, unpleasant. The other one that really got to me was the birth... Becca's birth scene. Oh, yeah. The, where she uh, the gives birth to Homelander's birth. baby. Yeah, when all the... And I, maybe it did happen that way and she just survived it, but like all that fucking blood yeah. and like almost the like alien-esque like scene like the baby almost bursting through her stomach and shit like that was that was a lot yeah, yeah. and we talked about like the final conclusion scene between homelander and billy or like a butcher and elizabeth shoe where she gets her face like burned out which is yeah. like 
her brain fucking fried through her eye sockets. Yeah, that was, which was very oof. intense and uh, yeah. pretty cool. And they don't shy away. Like, a lot of the time, they would shy away from showing you the aftermath of it. Like, they just show, like, a reverse angle on it. But, nope, they straight up show it happening. Yeah. And then what it looks like after. Like, her hollowed-out fucking skull. A more subtle what-the-fuck moment was the entire scene where Stillwell starts babying Homelander. And oh, the first was, time? Yeah. Yeah. With, like, she's opening With her him, shirt. His in her lap and everything. Yeah. It was just, like, oh, it was so creepy. It was so fucking creepy, but it was uh, so effective to, like, characterize that relationship. It was perfect, but, oh, it was hard to watch. <laughs> yeah. And then playing off, like, Homelander's jealousy of her actual baby. Yeah. That, that was, whole, yeah. his little tantrums about the baby was just, like, you could see the, again, testament to Anthony Starr's acting ability that he, like, you could see the petulant child in him like, in his face, the way that he was pouting. Mm-hmm. But when a superhero pouts, like, it gave me, like, a visceral chill to look yeah. at him that way. Like, this man wants it's to kill real a baby. Unsettling. Yeah. What I liked, there was a real subtle bit that they did with him where, like, the first couple episodes, they don't tell you what he's doing, but he's standing there staring at his fucking portrait. And, like, eventually you realize that he's x-ray visioning through to stare yeah. at her. Because yeah. um, they show you what's going on. And, like, they keep going back to that shot of him staring at that portrait. Like, in the background, or as other people are crossing by, and I'm like, man, he just spends an awful lot of time. I mean, staring at Elizabeth's shoe, I can kind of understand, but, like, that's a lot of time staring at Elizabeth's shoe, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it was yeah. weird. The only time I really had any sympathy for Stillwell was that scene in the parking lot where he shows up and she's, like, trying to take her baby to a doctor's appointment, and she, like, straight up has to tell him, like... We need to talk about, like, setting boundaries. Yeah, because he has a like, full-scale okay, tantrum. I'm, I'm here with you there. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> he has, like, an eight-year-old tantrum. Why weren't you there? At my piano recital yeah. or whatever the fuck. It was just kind of like... Yeah, exactly. Because that was when he was at the Christian... <laughs> the Believe Expo. Oh, yeah. That dude creeped me out, too. Like the, the guy we that Yeah, we even talk about... Ezekiel? Yeah. yeah, Ezekiel. Jesus Christ. And it's fucking, like, bleach blonde hair. Look like Guy Fieri. Homelander, like... Yeah, Homelander almost drowning Huey and during the baptism and fuck. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty good. But played nicely into all the, the the weird, creepy evangelical leaders you see on TV now, and just like adding in that like superhero celebrity angle to it is just like, man, just get your hooks in, get your hooks in, however you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just manipulating and yeah, trying to play the powers as God given and yeah. everything. And... It was weird, very strange. Cool. I don't have anything else that I wrote in here because I fucking love this show. So if you guys have anything else you want to bring up right now, this would be the time. No, just that they're like looking forward. Obviously, there's a massive cliffhanger at the end of the season. But besides that, I feel like there's a lot more story in this world. Like not just in the main sort of storyline that we've been looking at here, but I think there's a lot more world to be seen in like the smaller corners, like in the Sandusky and shit like that. Like these corporate heroes, like that I'm sure some of them end up exploiting the communities that they work for and, you know, sort of ending up with like a police state kind of thing going on. There's definitely more backstory on each of the seven that we could learn about and on butcher, like what had butcher been doing besides this and the, and the butcher and Mallory and mother's milk and all that. And, there's a lot more to be told here, I'm sure, and, and I'm I'm here for every all of it. Awesome. All right, so let's uh, let's wrap this up. You got final thoughts? You guys want to wrap her up? Give her a review? Yeah. Give her like a little number. I'm gonna give the boys a point five. 
because I really, really enjoyed it with like just a few moments where it dragged here and there because of too much focus on certain characters that actually didn't end up going where anywhere like clock clock. Not my favorite character, but otherwise she's fucking good. Nice. I was gonna say I really enjoyed having her on screen. I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) So. If you get to fucking jizz over Carl yep. Urban, Paul, then Fair. we get our also. Pop, also, pop, you pop, you pop. did take a minute to talk about the guy who played the deep. So uh... yeah. <laughs> so I am excited for the potential for season two as well. So like maybe I'll bump it up to a nine, but like around there, like eight point five nine is where nice. I'm sitting here because I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to next season for sure, and I really like this take on cynical superhero them like it's just very well executed from front to back so i just hope they keep up the quality for next season cool tim i'm probably sitting at like an eight and a half i think the pacing and sort of the overstuffedness of it detracted a little bit for me but overall it was cast excellently acted really well production value is high i liked most of the things that it had to say in terms of this has definitely been very refreshing. It's very different than any other comic book series that we have out there right now as well. And that's, you know, in a, in a world where there's you know, 18 different shows that are all doing some variation of the same thing. It was very refreshing, I would say. Maybe not refreshing in a good way, but refreshing in a different way. Nice. Uh, I, similarly to Paul, I'm like at a nine with this one. I enjoyed the shit out of it and I'm looking forward to more next year or whenever they get around to it they're shooting it right now like it's in process right now from what i understand so could be sooner than we think here's hoping yeah i mean it's doing gangbusters for amazon like it's their biggest show in a while it might end up being like their biggest i think it i think it was their biggest original series so far probably yeah i mean i've had like a ton of like big name stuff they've got this level of marketing push behind it like this has been Mm -hmm. everywhere like anytime i open up a browser i see something for the boys now at least for the last couple of weeks, like since it premiered. So, and like everybody's watching it and talking about it. So I've been seeing it pop up on Twitter and on Facebook a lot too. So that was the boys. Let's do geek cred this week. We don't actually have a sting for this. I don't know why I paused. Like, <laughs> nope. I, start <laughs> I was you guys start yelling at me. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> pregnant pause. I thought you were just doing your pregnant I'll leave it in as a pregnant pause. That's what I'll do. All right. So this is Geek Cred. Um, we're going to recommend some nerdy stuff for you that we've been enjoying recently, whether it be old or new. We'll start with Tim this time. So this is one we already talked about earlier, but the uh, City of Bane storyline in the Batman comics uh, has been really strong it is something that you probably need to read at least some of the lead up into it to really get the full sort of feeling for what's going on because that's just kind of tom king's his storytelling style is it's very very serialized but 77 issues in right now but they're pretty quick reads overall so i feel like you could probably burn through them in like a few hours or something like that if you had them all in front of you and were just really invested in it, which it's an easy run to get invested in. Yeah. So yeah, it's doing some really cool things and taking Batman into some interesting psychological spaces. And so more, I, I know that I've recommended Tom King Batman in the past, but what's going on right now is definitely worth taking a look at if you've sort of fallen off of it. Yeah, and that's basically where I'm at with it. I'm, I'm just kind of like, and again, reading it from the beginning because I want to kind of get the whole story as it leads into the mm-hmm. denouement now. So yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah, like eight eight issues left? Yeah, seven issues left, yeah. so like I'm that. looking forward to kind of being in there month to month to get, like, get into the finale and stuff because it's been, that run as I've read it in chunks has been excellent. 
that's a nine. He's on nine fucking trades now. Like that's so much Batman. Like so much Batman. <laughs> All right, Paul, what's your geek crit for the week? My geek crit for the week is a series called Dragula, which is the same as the Rob Zombie. Song. I was going to say, is it is... the Rob Zombie song? Is it a Rob <laughs> Zombie thing? <laughs> no. Do, do, do they burn through the w- ditches and burn through the witches and drag through the? Ditches? No, they do because they are. It's a drag queen competition show in the vein of RuPaul's Drag Race, but it is focused on monster and horror drag instead of. Mm. Glamour Runways, they have floor shows where they have to perform as whatever creature they've conceived of. And guys, I don't know if you guys are... I know you, you're you really into horror, Tim. So I would just recommend looking at some of the costumes that these... Mostly drag queens, but there's going to be a drag king on the new season, which is starting this week. Season 3 is starting... Sorry, not this week. Early next week on Amazon Prime. But seasons 1 and 2 were amazing like the winner in particular of season one is one of my favorite drag queens Sandra von odd and season two just as good they tend to have like these really high concept war shows like one of them is like in season two they have to dress in kind of like a western cowboy ghost town style and goddamn it's like one of them plays a fortune teller and burns her fortune booth alive while she's inside but it's just it's crazy it's so good so and every time a girl gets eliminated there's this super campy execution where they like get murdered on camera in like some kind of horror trophy kind of way like in a shower psycho style or something like that so it's a lot less comedy focus and a little bit rougher around the edges than rupaul's drag race but still super watchable and like super looking forward to season three because some of the queens that they've shown us so far really talented so check it out season three is apparently out on amazon prime on tuesday on tuesday so there you go nice check it out and they have both seasons on amazon prime if for you guys to watch unless there's a rights issue in your country but it should be on amazon prime so nice. or a censorship issue which with this i'm sure in some countries there would be yeah, probably. Some of it is like they have horror, glamour, and filth categories, and the filth stuff can get pretty fucking gross, but it's nice. great. It's so good. Nice. I'm definitely looking forward. Uh, there's a Dragon Con does like nerdy burlesque that always has uh, at least one or two drag performers, and so I'm hoping I get to see that this year. Yeah, we missed it last year. I was very disappointed. We did it last year. And then you said you were going to come back this year to see it, and now you're not. <sighs> Life is difficult right now, my friend. <laughs> Life is difficult. There will be more chances. Yes, for sure. Um, so Mikey, credit for the week. I've been enjoying the shit out of Microsoft's Game Pass service the last couple months. So since they they dropped it a couple months ago, and it's like it was twenty five bucks for a six month subscription. So I was like, I'll give it a shot. It's basically like Netflix for games, and it's been paying dividends lately because a lot of AAA stuff that is not just Microsoft games are coming out for it. So a month or two ago, Metro Exodus, which is the most recent release in the Metro series, which is a fun first person shooter series, I was trying to get Paul to play, but We'll see if that happens, was released for it. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And it's exciting that it's coming out basically for free, like as part of the subscription already. And I've been kind of patient gamer waiting Devil May Cry 5 to come down in price. And then I didn't have to because Gamescom at the beginning of this week started and they announced that Devil May Cry 5 was going to be on Game Pass. So I basically got Devil May Cry 5 to play for free this week because of Microsoft being awesome. So I've been enjoying Games Pass and enjoying Devil May Cry 5. And you should too, because Devil May Cry is awesome. So there you go. Cool. Have you played those, Paul? You like Devil, Devil May Cry? 
Yeah, yeah. I like Devil May Cry. They're fun beat-em-ups, kind of in the same vein as Bayonetta, which I yeah. really enjoy. Yeah, I was, I was in for a Bayonetta-esque game, and Bayonetta 3 I don't think is out yet, so I was like, eh, I'll go, I'll try Devil May Cry 5. And I don't have to pay for it. That's the thing. Yeah. I don't have to pay for this, right? I can just sit down and play Devil May Cry 5. Yeah. Awesome. So. Devil May Cry is a little bit more serious and like i like the campy weirdness of bayonetta so like See, i always think you would love it because it's so anime like influenced it like, is the styling of it is just like insanely anime like it's kind of like my exposure to the anime subculture kind of happens through japanese video games a lot so stuff like bayonetta or devil may cry is kind of where i get that flavor the most and sometimes i'm just like this is batshit fucking insane because devil may cry really leans into that kind of stuff and this one is emphatically batshit fucking insane. So if you like that craziness of the Devil May Cry series, this is definitely up your alley. So that would be the end of the episode for this week, boys. I'm very like low key in between segments this week, I'm finding. I'm like introducing from each one. I'm like, yeah, right. So it's like Geek of the Week time. <laughs> so blase. Very so blase. Over it. So I'm just over it. it. <laughs> just over it. All right. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. This has been Dance Robot Dance, episode 161. If you haven't already, please subscribe and leave a rate or review. We're available wherever you prefer to catch your podcast, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Also, if you want to let us know what you thought about the boys or anything else we talked about, like fuck Sony, you can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast on Twitter at drd underscore podcast, or you can email us at danceforbotdancepodcast at gmail.com. So that's it for this week. I've been chatting with Paul. Say goodnight. Good night, everyone. And I've been chatting with Tim. Translucent doesn't even mean invisible. It means semi-transparent. I that was I love that. It made me laugh my ass off when he said that to him. So good. All right, boys. Night night times. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.